Welcome to the show, The Protector, Season 3. We just hit 200 episodes. I'm excited. I'm excited to have more LEOs on the show, talking emergency responder stuff, LEO stuff, TBIs, everything. We're going to talk about it all today. Pete, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's always great to have uh, you know LEOs on, and especially when we're talking about a topic we're going to talk about today, which is TBIs. Because uh, TBIs and brain injuries don't just happen in the battlefield they're happening everywhere in the law enforcement community any emergency responders anytime you get that quote-unquote bell rung you have the opportunity to get a traumatic brain injury so pete let's talk about it man and and how you got involved in all of this yeah so like we were just talking about i got i dove into the search and rescue community when i moved to telluride in 08 and really active team um, that had that kind of opened a door to becoming a sheriff's deputy. So went down that road and after about 11 years in the community started experiencing all this stuff that we're now a lot more familiar with that, that I think mirrors PTSD, but we have a pretty good idea that it's not the same thing. Um, so short-term memory issues, irritability, um, a lot of trouble sleeping. Um, I went down the same road that a lot of guys do, which is the temporary relief of alcohol. Um, and that snowballed into something, you know, the, the common end that we all see divorce, um, left the community, um, house was gone. Um, so I decided to try to do a project. My background was actually in film. Um, so I, I developed a project where I'll be promoting hormone therapy. And, you know, I think the big, the big issue that's gonna, we're going to find a remedy for is they invest a lot of money to train us up to the point to where we're, we're effective. And they're losing those investments very quickly through the PTSD, suicide, any of the, the stuff that's taken us out of the fight. And if we can implement hormone therapy on a regular basis for both state and local agencies, as well as the, the big military in industries, they're going to be able to retain their investments and keep us in the field as long as we want to be operating. Well, you know, you bring up a good point about the investment. You know, being in, you know, the beginning of my career, I really didn't know shit. And this was post-active duty army. So kind of thought I knew something, yeah. but going into law enforcement, you don't really know what you're doing for at least it takes two, three years before you start really getting your foothold. Absolutely. Now, five, seven years in, you're getting really good at this thing. Eight, nine years. Hey man, you're, you're becoming a subject matter expert. And then you get curtailed, you know, that's 10 years worth of experience that if you get a brain injury, you get PTSD, you get something that's going to take you out of action. Are you develop an addiction to deal with all that stuff and it takes you out of the action, then that agency is losing an investment because at the end of the day is you're an investment. You're, you're a monetary figure to any agency, your leadership, your management may love you as a person, but at the end of the day, you really are just a number. And, you know, why lose such energy and such of an investment 
if they could prevent it. Absolutely. And I, I, I think every agency, whether you're military, law enforcement, fire, they do have our best interests in mind. They just, they need to fill those roles. They need somebody willing to go out and do the jobs. There's no way that we can prevent prolonged stress. There's no way that we can prevent sleep imbalances. No. Those of us with prior head trauma that are now spending 12, 15 hours on a range on a regular basis. And, and I don't think there was the understanding that, you know, firing a rifle with repetitive uh, or repetitively, those shock waves are penetrating our skulls and being absorbed by the soft tissue of our brain. Um, I started looking back now, I can recognize that days after uh, being on the range for long periods of time, I would have vision issues at night, especially with the overheads on. Um, mm -hmm. There's a direct correlation behind that. Well, think uh, about a short barreled rifle and the amount of pressure that goes out of that. You know, for instance, like I have a 300 blackout. I shoot that all the time. I love it. Their max, the max you need is an eight and a half inch barrel. And you got to think that's eight and a half inches. That's not that far from your, your face when you're shouldering it. So when you think about those shock waves, let's say you are, you, let's say you're shooting a 308. You're shooting anything that's a vehicle interdiction round, like a 50 cal or anything like that. Or you're just shooting a basic 556, but you're doing it repetitively. And people don't realize the brain is just a mass of just fluid and, and, and matter yeah. that those shock waves go through it. And it causes what we don't know, because that's where kind of we need to go down that road is really understanding what TBIs are and really understanding it when it comes to the first responder community, when it comes to the LEOs, when it comes to people setting charges, doing breaching rounds, throwing flashbangs, doing all that other stuff, that's part of the job for some of them. Well, when you're using small explosives and you got to open your mouth so that you're not taking the blast and blowing your eardrums out, where's, I mean, the wave is. is where's the wave going? Exactly. Um, but, you know, I think back to my grandfather, who was a three sport athlete at Tulane, played center prior to having face masks, then went over and flew B-24s in World War II, got shot down came home and there was nothing. I mean, there were no resources for, for him to discharge any of that, his, you know, be it repetitive brain trauma that he was mm -hmm. experiencing on a multiple platform um, or any of the, the stress, everything else. So, I mean, you, we look back at these heroes that we all have and it's hard not to recognize that the vast majority were functional alcoholics for a reason. You know, and that's when you get down to that sleep pattern is like, you know, I went through for a long time of trying to use alcohol to get to sleep. So then that doesn't really work. It screws up your sleep. You're maybe you're not getting into REM sleep. You're up and down all night. And then uh, it starts getting into the depressions and and everything else you could further to get yourself that rest that you need for your brain to recover. Because, you know, that's the thing is like your brain needs to recover. One thing start, I mean, if you think about the pattern, if you can't sleep, if, if all the, the, the repercussions of just not being able to sleep, you're gonna be more irritable. You're gonna have short-term memory issues. And mm -hmm. we know without question that sleep imbalances caused hormone imbalances. We know that head trauma causes yep. hormone imbalances. 
we know all these things. So luckily there are the doctors out there that have made the correlation, understand the treatment. And we do have these paths to remedy this issue where before it was, I mean, it, it's an essential prison sentence to tell somebody, look, you're suffering from this affliction that we don't really understand. Our remedy is take these pills and talk to these doctors. An SSRI is essentially a cortisone shot for your brain. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not looking at causation. It's not looking at legitimate healing. With these hormone uh, therapy remedies, you're, you're, you're acknowledging causation and you're legitimately healing people. If we can keep that, not only do the agencies uh, retain their investments, but we also have, if, if you had much more time uh, in service than I did, but if we're in some sort of competition measuring who can be more effective and I have eight hours of sleep the night before, mm -hmm. you got two, who's going to be the better person? Better yeah. It, it's a no brainer. Well, then you go down the other path too. It's like, you know, the, the lack of sleep, the lack of emotions, and, and you and I talked about it before, uh, you lose those parts of your life that you need. You lose, you start losing the family that supports you because you're angry. You start losing the friends because they don't want to deal with your bullshit. Sure. And, and eventually that leads down to maybe more self-destructive ways and that to the ultimate thing, which, and you and I both know is when you get to a certain point, you become numb to it and it becomes just like an afterthought. Maybe I should just take care of myself and uh, nobody else will have to deal with it. And the thing is, how do we stop it between getting from point A to point B to point C. And you brought up the hormone therapy. I want to talk more about that and what you're talking about. So and first I, of all, what is hormone therapy? <laughs> sure. So it's, it's complicated. I'm not going to pretend to understand all of the science behind it. Um, I, I was lucky enough to um, find the work of Dr. Mark Gordon um, and he was, as far as I know, he's an endocrinologist, which I think most doctors don't really understand the endocrine system, which controls all of our hormone levels. Um, but it's, it's not just testosterone. So most guys hear hormones and immediately think testosterone. Yeah. Um, there's a whole myriad of hormones within our system that have to be measured. And he used a great example where he talked about it's unlike the, the tires on your vehicle where one can go low and the other three can support the low one. With your hormone levels, if one dips, all the levels are going to dip. So we have to regulate all the levels back up. Uh, prime functional levels to, to get us those normal sleep patterns to, to not be so foggy. Um, I've actually held off. I've been introduced to Mark Gordon. He's agreed to treat me and to uh, help with the project. Um, so that's really exciting to me. But just in our conversation now, I'm searching for words. I'm, I'm looking, you know, the, the, the short-term memory, the cognitive impairment is, is a really legitimate thing. And when you're talking about people that carry a gun for a living, it's a scary realization. Mm -hmm. And I think we can point to a lot of the social issues that we're seeing between law enforcement and the communities that are responsible for keeping safe and note that it, it probably stems back to a lot of these issues. Yeah. When you, when you start tackling, I mean, there's just, it's like a laundry list of things putting on someone's shoulders, like, you know, the lack of sleep, the booze, the injuries to the brain, 
maybe have other injuries. You're dealing with life and death situations on a routine, I should say, quote unquote, routine basis that not every person was made to be that way. And I don't think anybody was really made to deal with that for prolonged periods of time. So there's got to be something. And like you mentioned, like the hormone therapy, there's got to be something to stop all this before it starts, whether that's, you know, well, the suppressed weapons, would that help with the, the shockwaves? I don't know. What do you think? Um, I mean, you're not a, you're not a scientist. I'm not a real scientist when it comes yeah. to that, but it's like you, something's gotta be there that we could do research and figure it out. Yeah. Um, I, I am wholeheartedly invested in the idea that if we can at least explore the opportunity to try regulating and, and, and we have to have a metric system for it, right? So we have to start measuring guys as they're coming into these communities. And then when they start having issues, measuring them then and mm-hmm. see if they've been an impairment or not. Without that knowledge, we're not going to be able to really treat stuff as effectively as we could. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's the same thing the VA and everybody else goes through. You want to throw money at this situation. You want to find a cure, but you don't want to find why it happens. You need data to figure out why it happens. You can't cure something without data. And the big words over the past few years has been data analytics. We use data analytics for investigations. We use them for everything. Now we need to do an investigation on a brain. And in order to do a proper investigation, you got to gather data, whether that's human data coming from, you know, the user, i.e. the law enforcement, emergency responder, anybody out there who's the user who's getting this. And then also in the community, the the medical field, because the medical field may not recognize symptoms from someone coming in off the street, especially a law enforcement. They may think, oh, military bomb blast, boom. But when you come in off the street with certain symptoms that may be linked to a TBI or something. And they say, well, when was the last time you got your bell rung? And you say, well, I haven't. But then they don't realize that, you know, the flashbangs, the concussion, um, the the daily use of firearms at the range or whatever, if, if you're highly proactive like that or anything, they don't look at it like that. They only think about the soldier in TBIs. Yeah. Um, you said the flashbangs, I mean, First morning that I woke up for Halloween for SWAT school, they were out. I heard the door, bay door to the hangar open. Just they woke us up with four or five flashbangs. They were probably three feet from the place. So it, we, don't, we, we, we don't know. It's like the, you just got your bell rung mentality. We've been running through this stuff, and you need to be exposed to flashbangs. You need mm-hmm. to be exposed to small explosives. And, and shooting as often as possible. I mean, if anything, they need more training, more exposure to that stuff. Mm-hmm. How we do that in the safest manner possible, that, that's the, the, the big answer. And I think the effort that needs to be made and what I'm truly hoping to do through this project is what you mentioned earlier, that's getting ahead of it. Because if we're just catching, it's, it's kind of like CTE. If you have... The, the damage that will eventually lead to CTE, but they catch it in time, they can treat it. And there, there are avenues to um, get cellular regeneration going in the brain to 
literally heal the brain. Um, so we have avenues for, for doing that if it's caught on time. Now, unfortunately for most of the state and local agencies, um, we don't have access to, to resources like NICO, like, like the military guys do. So getting brain scans can be difficult. Um, that, that's all stuff that needs to change. If we really wanna change the picture and the trajectory of this issue, there has to be more funding being done. And look, most, most agencies, be it military or law enforcement, don't wanna acknowledge that this is the issue that it is because then they're gonna have, we're already having problems filling these roles. Mm-hmm. If you start telling guys this is inevitable. Yeah, you're, we're not even talking about the defund and abolish and all the other things out there trying to find people. And, you know, that drives me nuts. Is like I brought that up in the beginning of the conversation about finding someone with enough experience. And, and the populace as a whole doesn't realize that you can't just fill a position. That person doesn't have the experience. They don't have this. They don't have that. And there's more to just being a body in law enforcement and military and everything. You have to build a knowledge base. You give someone a badge and gun and a responsibility and they don't know what the hell they're doing for a while. So you can't just replace someone. Someone has a brain injury. You can't just replace him and expect to have that same op tempo, that same everything that your agency is doing. And that comes especially to a small agency. Big agencies, yeah, you could shuffle people around. You could pull someone off of desk and do blah, blah, blah. But you're talking about a 25, 30-person agency, department or whatever, and you're taking one high-skilled person that's an, like you know a crime fighter out there doing the right thing, very proactive, because they're typically the ones that are getting these injuries. You take them off the street and you don't replace them. Yeah, that's lives that can be lost, you know? Yeah, and it, it's, I, I can speak for both agencies that I worked for. It was about a six-month vetting period that we went through, and that included me going to multiple shrinks to get evals done. Um, they went through a long list of, of references and tried to drum up anything negative that they possibly could, and then you're doing voice stress analysis, polygraph test. I mean... They, they really mm-hmm. do the litany of tests for the most part to ensure that, that they can trust you, um, not just on the street, but to put you up on the stand when they need yeah. you and, and everything else. So It is not an easy position to get. It's not. Whether it's state, local, fed, it is not an easy position to get. And finding, you know, out of, you know, you talk about special forces where it's like, you know, out of 100 candidates, three pass. Well, in a law enforcement world, it's almost the same way. And it's not just because, you know, just find, finding people with just basic skills to get through the hiring process is really tough. And then are they going to get through the agency? Are they going to get through FTO? Are they going to get out of FTO and get mm-hmm. their foot pursuit and decide, man, this is... This is yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, I, it, we need to do a better job of protecting those guys and giving them the resources. And I, I, I worked, the last agency that I worked for really did go out of their way um, to try to get guys and, and, and the girls aware of um, the possibility of these issues. But I don't think that the, there is the awareness that I'd, I'd like to see that, that we have these methods of resolve, be it, um, with, with the hormone therapy and 
like I said, it's, you're going to create better cops if mm -hmm. they're balanced and they have these outlets. And that's when therapy, you know, if you take somebody, um, we hear stuff about do yoga, do meditation, do talk therapy, this stuff. If, if you have somebody who's really in the middle of the storm of, of these issues, they can't sit still and do meditation. No. I mean, yoga, they might stretch a little bit, but it's not going to be the healing method to, to get them. You need a cross-platform approach. You need to have everything. Yeah. You can't just look at it and say, well, this one, this one, you know, magic bullet is going to stop everything because it's not. Yeah. And I think if you look at the bigger picture and who all this really applies to, um, I think the, the addiction treatment model that we know of, the, the 12 step program, again, doesn't go to causation. It doesn't go to true remedy. They basically mm -hmm. bring you in there and teach you how to white knuckle the rest of your life. Um, and if, if the science that, that appears to be very legitimate, I mean, Dr. Gordon says that he has 100% efficacy in, in relieving people of these symptoms uh, through this method. If that's true, and we start bringing people into these addiction treatment centers, nobody wants to be an alcoholic. No. I've met plenty of heroin junkies, and not one of them has said, man, I just really miss being strung out and sick from heroin. <laughs> they want the resolve that this could offer. So if we start utilizing this method with addiction treatment centers, you can see people walking out legitimately healed. Yeah, um, Athletes, anybody that's wrong back to the having your bell rung it, it's it's an opportunity to bring real healing to a wide spectrum of, of people within our communities well sometimes it starts with a conversation right Absolutely. and a ripple effect and get the word out there yeah i think that the stuff that uh and, and we're seeing it right i mean hunter seven is promoting it um there's a lot of veteran-based services that are you know, it, it comes back to the same thing. It's not just the guys that are still suffering. It's sick of getting the phone calls that somebody else is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's time, time to put an end to that. Or I agree, brother. Well, Pete, I appreciate you coming on. I do. Uh, I'm glad we finally got to sit down and talk about this. I finally start talking about it in the LEO community when it comes to brain injuries and, and what happens. Because sometimes, you know, there's causation and there's effect. Brain injury may lead to self-medication, which leads to this, which leads to that, which leads to the ultimate, you know, taking your life. And we got to get to the point where we put a wall up between that, you know, the causation and the, the ultimate effect. Well, and, and I, I want to really celebrate the efforts that the military community are, are making to bring awareness to this, because what, what I've seen throughout my career is that be it tactics, equipment, um, overall approach to major mm -hmm. issues is it's a trickle down effect. So, um, you know, our plate carriers would not be what they are if it were not yeah. the military kind of revolutionizing that, that need. Um, so, it, you know, you guys championing this stuff will make it down to uh, to the, the stateside law enforcement as well. Well, brother, I appreciate coming on the show. We're going to have you back on again, and we're going to push this, man. Thank you. No, I appreciate it as well. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Right.